edition of Pushing Through. I am Tate Frazier, joined as always by the kid, BJ Armstrong, and we are joined by a Hall of Famer, a man that believes in the heart of a champion, uh, a, a, a San Diego Rocket, one of the few people that you can say that about, <laughs> Coach Rudy Tomjanovich. Coach Tomjanovich, how are you? I'm great. Good to be with you guys. Oh, it's, it's great having you on the show. And I know BJ is very excited to have you well, here. I'm very excited. You know, uh, Hamtramck, you know, uh, Michigander. And congratulations, Coach. We, uh, we're really happy for you and well-deserved. Thank you very much. I'm blessed. Oh, yes, absolutely, Coach. And is this true? We have a fact that you are the first Michigan man to be in the Hall of Fame. Is, is, that, is that correct? Yeah, I was very surprised to see that. Uh, there have been a lot of great players coming out of Michigan. And, uh, you know, I, I thought Cassie was in there. That was my hero. That's the guy that got me to go to Michigan. And uh, so I'm just honored. And hopefully uh, we're going to get Chris uh, Weber in here soon and a couple other guys also. When is, when is Glenn Rice getting in? That's what I'm waiting for. Absolutely. <laughs> tremendous player. Yes, of course. And, uh, Coach, we have to bring up again, we're bringing up the Hall of Fame because this is a great time for you. You are uh, finally getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. And so BJ and I on the show, we wanted to first con congratulate you on that honor and get your reaction to that. Um, and then we're going to go into, you know, sort of your career, talk about the Rockets, talk about, like I said, the San Diego Rockets, talk about uh, some of your experiences back in Michigan. But first, I just want to say congratulations. Thank you so much. Uh, I am truly humbled. Uh, you know, just the way this this uh, Hall of Fame came about for me sort of epitomizes the way my my career went. You know, I wasn't one of those guys that it, I just went right to the top. You know, I was a guy who had to dig and and fight for it. And uh, I'm you know I'm so blessed to be there and to be going in in a year where uh, I I have had a relationship uh, with Kobe. I was out there about 15 years ago and uh that was one of the gifts of my career to coach a player like him along with all the other great ones but you know uh that's the the only sad thing about this whole thing is that kobe won't be there and he did so much for our league and uh i just feel fortunate i was a, a, a small part of his life and then uh kevin garnett i got the the pleasure of uh, coaching him in the 2000 Olympics in Sydney. He was a big part of that team. He was a leader and just a great player. And then uh, Tim Duncan, what a fantastic player, what a career. Uh, I always remember the first time I saw him and, and uh, you know, I'm with the Rockets and I just saw, see them throw the ball in to Tim and the way he catches it and his poise and how he looked over the floor. He didn't even shoot the ball. I got a stomachache thinking, oh, <laughs> he knows how to play, and we're going to have to deal with this for a long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, Coach, you, you've had the – look, you, you were a player. You had the wonderful opportunity to coach in this league. What was your transition from player, and who was your inspiration, or what motivated you to say, I'm going to try coaching? Well, that's a great question because I didn't have a definite plan. Uh, when I got out of basketball playing, uh, I had about a half a year where I didn't do 
much, but then uh, Carol Dawson, uh, who was the assistant coach for Dell Harris at the time, was the only assistant. And he asked me if I'd be willing to go out and, and scout. And that's how it started for me. I, I scouted uh, other teams, advanced scouting, and then later I did, uh, I did the personnel. Uh, I really loved the, uh, the advanced scouting because I got to watch other teams and, and get to know all their, their uh, plays. I really liked what Pat Riley was doing with the, uh, with the uh, Lakers and really studied them closely. And, and he had a whole bunch of different sets and, and surprises here and there. So that was a big factor in me getting a good background. And uh, I didn't have any immediate plans on being a head coach. I thought it would happen one day. But you know how this league is. Right. Something happens, emotions run high, and I was, I was an assistant coach for Don Chaney, a, a guy I really loved and uh, enjoyed working for him. And we had a game where we blew a big lead, and the, the boo birds were out, and it, it set a tone. And all of a sudden, we go into work, and he's gone. And uh, the, the general manager, Steve Patterson, brings me in with Carol Dawson. And I thought that Carol deserved the job at that time. He was older than me, had, had some coaching experience in the uh, college ranks, uh, but he had some health issues. And then Steve Patterson said, well, I can't coach. Said either you gotta take it or we gotta go find somebody else. So out of necessity, I took it. And uh, Carol promised me he'd give me everything he had, you know, all his wisdom from the, his years that he did. And we developed a, uh, a philosophy and a, a style of play that we thought fit our team, especially with the great Akeem Olajuwon. And we added some three-point shooters. And, uh, you know, the Rockets learned how to be a winning team. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad to be a part of that. And, Coach, you mentioned Pat Riley. You mentioned studying those Lakers teams. And uh, Pat Riley is obviously known for his work ethic. And one of the things that, you know, you're renowned for is the fact that you had so much preparation going into games. And you would make so many adjustments in the game because you, like you said, you would scout schemes and sort of, you know, it was counter moves. It was chess for you. So can you just speak a little bit about the preparation that you put into a game plan? Because I think a lot of people don't know the work that goes into coaching like that, uh, that yeah. full process. You're right. You hit it right on the nose. And you got to – have your team prepared. And, uh, you know, when we practiced, we, our general practice was, this is during the course of the game. This is how we play. We're looking for opportunities to pushing it and all that. But then the fourth quarter, it's a different game. It's, you gotta have a different mindset. You gotta watch the clock more. You gotta be more disciplined. And, uh, we decided to go with a, a scheme when we threw the ball into a team that was a little bit different than what most teams were doing. They liked to pass and cut. We went to outside spots right away. Uh, and if the defense uh, decided to double, we were right in these spots and Akeem would get it out and, and we would move uh, the ball around. And as great as Akeem was, his scoring, his rebounding, his block shots, I think what got us to be champions is when he was passing that ball out 
And Vernon Maxwell made a lot of game winners, but that ball came from a keen. And the one that really stands out in, in the New York series is when he passed the ball to uh, rookie Sam Cassell, and he nails one at the top of the key, and, and we win a big road game there. You know, you know, coach. You know, just from afar, you know, you it's always different when you, when you're in it. But just from afar, I've always wanted to ask you this. It seemed like all of the teams you've coached, the players that you coached, played with such confidence. What was what was it? What was your secret to be able to have the Sam Casales, who was a rookie, the Vernon Maxwells, uh, all of the players that you coached? They play with such confidence that they were always going to win the game. Is that something you developed? Is that something that you emphasize? But I was always amazed when you played a team coached by you that they had confidence, no matter if they were up 10, down 10, and you always felt that they were, they always felt like they felt that they were going to win that game. Well, thanks. Uh, that, that's a great observation uh, because that's what I was looking for, you know, and uh, I played better when I felt I had L that the coaching staff was an ally of mine, that it wasn't only about correcting him, that I felt that they cared about me as a person and as a player. And that's basically what I did. I love to study tapes. So I tried to find plays and uh, different situations that fit those players. Uh, you know, at the beginning of training camp, I would say, I don't know what our number one play is going to be this year, especially when I had new players on the team. We're going to do a lot of things, and then we're going to, we're going to read it. You just, it just positive energy just breeds positive stuff. So, you know, my coaching was probably 80% uh, positive encouragement and 20% uh, correcting things. And, and a lot of the time it was uh, some of our uh, tape sessions were a cheerleading session. I wanted the players to know what I liked. If the players to know what you like and, and what's going to keep them on the floor, uh, you know, that's important. But, you know, I read a couple books. I didn't know I was going to become a coach, so I didn't know about all these different things. So I did read a couple books on uh, managing people and I liked the minute manager and instead of uh, what that book talked about is uh, letting people know that you're thinking about them as a person and uh, that you're not sort of spying on them or uh, uh, believing that you have to stay on them to get the job done especially with my assistant coaches too so when the and then I would, I would ask the players questions also. How, what do you feel is working out there? And, uh, but that main thing, just what you said, is, is the thing that I wanted to get across. I did not want my players to feel stifled uh, by me on the sidelines. And coach, it's funny because that became your reputation, right? You became known as a player's coach. That's what people would say when they would, when they would talk about you. And then you had great players like Clyde Drexler and Scottie Pippen and Charles Barkley, you know, later in there, you know, at late in the 90s and the 99, you know, year, they want to come play for you because you are that player's coach. I mean, how flattering is that to have those guys want to play for you? Yeah, you know, it is. It's very flattering, you know, but we as an organization – 
we really worked at letting uh, these guys know when we bring in the young players to interview them that I was always there and I took an interest. I did a lot of the scouting. That's my background. Mm-hmm. And I picked a lot of the players uh, because I knew what I sort of wanted. You know, the Robert Ories and Sam Cassell and, and uh, you know, those guys, uh, you know, felt like their family. And, uh, you know, just being stuck in an office, you know, four o'clock in the morning and you're going through tapes and just right. say, yeah, I think this is the guy. I think this is the guy. And then getting them and, and when they come in and cash, you know, get the job done, it's just a great feeling. You know, you know Coach, you, you, you've coached a lot of great players. And there are two players in particular that I've always, you know, I've just always wondered what it was like to coach when you coach a great player like an Akeem Olajuwon, right? I, I hold him in the highest regard as a player. And then you coach a good friend of mine who I just love him. We became friends when we were in college and we remained friends throughout our NBA career is Vernon Maxwell. Can you yeah. speak on, can you speak <laughs> on how do you coach Akeem and then how do you coach Vernon? And somehow you were able to connect with both because I know they both admire you and we saw Vernon, you know, congratulating you once you were named in the Hall of Fame. How do you connect with such extreme personalities? Well, Akeem is such a, not only a great player, he's a great person. And uh, the advantage I had with him is that I was there the whole time. When he was a player as an assistant coach, I've watched him in college. And, you know, we thought we were going to be getting more of a Bill Russell. And he was a little bit of Bill Russell, but that offensive ability that he had and, you know, in college ball, they just, they stifle you so much because of the zone and and all that and all this creativity, the dream shake. And, you know, we had to make sure we got uh, outside shooters so that he could do, you know, his stuff inside. And, And what I love about Akeem is, he uh, was a, a very good leader, but not, he was very humble and he did not like to get on other players. But when we were going through some clouds, you know, those stormy periods when you're having team meetings and all that stuff, uh, he always found a way to sum it up in a very simple way. And uh, I felt very fortunate to have a leader like that on our team. And then Max, uh, <laughs> just, just love Max, a uh, very tenacious guy. And uh, God, he loved playing against you guys. And oh, God. He, 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 <laughs> I mean, some of the greatest, it was some of the greatest, you know, his competitive spirit is what I think attracted me to him. Him and I were together, I think at the, like the 88 Olympic trials, and we just hit it off for whatever reason. And uh, I just loved his spirit. Yeah, absolutely. And I love Max. And we had a very good bond, uh, you know, but he's going to be Max. He's going to be the, the outcast, <laughs> you know. So uh, he's not going to be kissing my butt or anything like that. But I know he had, uh, we had mutual uh, respect. Uh, and, you know, one of the, the heart, uh, the good feelings I had is uh, 
you know, the players, you know how you guys go out in the hallway and you do something after the coach has left you in a locker room. So in one of these series, I happened to stick my head out the, the locker room. I, I was looking for tickets or something, and they were out there, and Max was in the middle. And the stuff that he was saying, the positive, he sounded Here's this guy who's a rebel and a renegade. He sounded like the most uh, conservative coach. We got to take good shots. We got to do this, you know. And it just touched my heart, man. I know. I, I, I love him. I love him. Yeah, every time I see him, that energy. We actually played uh, on a golf uh tournament together and we had a ball <laughs> <laughs> well it's impossible not to have fun when you see max i can tell you that and uh have we fun. played one year together in charlotte and it was it was it was great i mean he is such a great guy and uh he just always brings a smile so yeah. um that's great yeah we we love mad max mad max is a. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's something else. And coach, I have to ask, you mentioned uh, KG and that, that 2000 team in Sydney that you coach, the Olympic team. Uh, in that tournament, that is when Vince Carter jumped over another player and dunked and Kevin Garnett lost his mind. Uh, can, you just yeah. take, can you just take us through coaching that team? Because that, that was a fun uh, Team USA. Yeah, you know, that team, I loved that. That was a great opportunity. One of the highlights of my career uh, when I was in college, uh, I did not get asked to the Olympic trials. They didn't take a lot of the players, and, and we had a lot of good players out at that time. The guy that made it and who was a star of the team back then was Spencer Haywood, who was a good friend mm, and wow. he was from Detroit. Uh, so mm -hmm. uh, then finally getting that opportunity, man, what, you know, what a wonderful uh, assignment. But I got to tell you, it's the most pressurized job when you're the favorite and the NBA team has not lost a game yet. And that's, uh, we hadn't lost a game in, uh, in 2000 in Sydney. So unbelievable pressure. Uh, I know the players felt it because uh, the teams over there were pretty damn good and the style of play was different. So, uh, you know, even the way you call timeouts, you can't get a timeout right then and get the ball. You got to request it and they wait. So it's a little bit different. And, uh, you know, on the play where Carter made the fantastic dunk. So that was a big, you know, big uh, highlight in my life. Yeah, for sure, coach. And uh, I, I want to keep it rolling because we're going through the timeline. So now we're in 2000 at that point. And then uh, you you get the chance in 2004, you take over for the Lakers for a little bit. And like you said, you were, you were close to Kobe during that period of time. Um, can you just speak a little bit about the, that period, being with the Lakers, taking over after Phil um, for that period of time and what that was like? Yeah, it was a, it was a, a, a strange, almost dreamlike uh, mm -hmm. because I had had cancer Yep. In Houston, and I gave up my job there to stick with the cancer treatment. And uh, in a year, I was pronounced cancer-free. And all of a sudden, I got a call uh, from the Lakers to come out and meet with Dr. Buss and all that. And it was a really uh, great experience. And, and they hired me, but it was probably a mistake uh, coming that close after having those treatments. I had to go through it uh, a couple of times. And uh, 
when that season started, the the uh, stress and and all that sort of started wearing on me. And I said, probably the best thing to do is just admit you you made a mistake. And uh, believe me, it was hard to do, but I think it was the right thing. And the Lakers, uh, you know, bounced back and they reunited with uh, with Phil and Kobe and him uh, mended some of their differences and they went on and won some more championships. You know, Coach, I know you, you watch the game and your competitive spirit and that never leaves. Tell us about the, the game today. If you were coaching today's game, like what would a Coach Tom Donovan's team look like today in the style and the, and the way the teams are playing? I mean, you were so ahead of the curve. Your teams are already shooting threes. I mean, that, you were doing that in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I was always trying different things. And I'm just not one of these guys that think that, that you could only uh, run certain kind of plays. And, and now people are saying no post-ups. They don't believe in post-ups, that it's a low percentage play. And, you know, I, I respect analytics. In fact, at the end of my career, my son and I developed a uh, database that, that charted every play in the NBA. And, and I did that for the Lakers. I did some analytics. But you've got to do, uh, you've got to find things that work for your team and stick with those. I love to pick and roll. In fact, uh, in when I coached in international ball, uh, I did basically what a lot of teams are doing now, run the pick and roll on every play. And so when I had the lockout team and we were playing uh, Australia, Australia had a great uh, team. And uh, they did have sort of a legendary player in, uh, I can't believe, I can't remember his name now, the guy who uh, played out East and uh, he might've been in four uh, championships. Uh, I can't remember. Andrew, his name. No, is it Andrew Gaze? Andrew Gaze. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah Andrew yeah. Gaze was there. So when we played them, I ran every play at him. <laughs> that doesn't sound like you coach. <laughs> yeah. Every single play at him uh, because I just thought they had more experienced players and he got a little uh, irritated with me <laughs> because he would, he would switch to somebody else. And we had a numbering system that we could just change it uh, right away. So anyway, you know, I believe in the uh, pick and rolls and all that uh, and the three-pointers and getting layups. But the, the one thing that I do miss, you don't see a lot of five-man plays now. Mm -hmm. where right. in the old days, like uh, Atlanta used to run the hog play, you know, a shuffle cut into a swing it in this and that. Everything is basically just a pick and roll or an ISO now. And very few, I see more people posting up, even their, you know, guards can post up. Right. You take you, know, you try to get any uh, advantage you can get. So I was one of those guys that liked to have an arsenal of weapons where, you could say, well, I want to get my point guard down into, you know, down on the box. I want to get my wing out on the, out on the uh, left side or something. So I always try to have a well-rounded offense. And hey, Coach, hey, Coach who, 
Go, 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 go ahead, Tate. No, I was going to say, Coach, is there a coach that is in the present NBA or maybe even in college that you point to and you say that is a Tom Janovich kind of coach? That is someone that I, I, I like the way that they coach. They coach like I coach. Well, like I said, uh, Mike D'Antoni, he's yeah. taken it. You know, he's, he's doing what I did against Andrew Gaze in every game. They're just running that pick and roll basket <laughs> and spacing it out. And uh, they do very well. And, you know, and I respect them for that. Who, who, Coach, who were some of the coaches in your era that you, you really got fired up to coach against? Like, I mean, you, it was so many amazing coaches, you know, yourself. You had Phil Jackson. You had Chuck Daly. You had Pat Riley. Jerry Sloan and so forth and so who are some of the coaches that you say you know what I have to really be on my A game tonight yeah well you know I respect them all but I did uh because of my scouting and Riley's uh you know I, I watched all those different things he did that was a big deal for me to do well against him but then when he went to New York, it was completely different. Right. And, and I respect that, that the plays don't follow you. You go and you set up a different system for a different group of guys. Uh, Jerry Sloan, uh, you know, winning the championships, going through Malone, Stockton, and Jerry Sloan makes, makes it uh, meaningful, very meaningful. Same thing with the – we had to go through the uh, – through the Suns a couple of times with Charles and KJ and all those great shooters. Yep. So, you know, getting through those guys. And then, of course, in the championship series, Akeem and uh, Ewing, you know, what a tough team. And that was before they changed the rules. They still had the uh, hand-checking and the man-handling. <laughs> they had so many big guys on that team that I was afraid we were going to wear – Akeem out because you could, you know, how you would bump a guy coming down. And so we had to do some, some uh, counter movement, do something on the left side to get the ball to Akeem on the right side. Uh, so it's, uh, it's been very exciting. Well, that's, that's great, Coach. We, uh, we're very excited for you. We're very excited uh, for you to get the, the honor. And obviously, Coach Sutton, Eddie Sutton, is another coach that's getting this big honor, uh, you know, at this time. And we're all excited in the basketball world. Was there any team this year? Obviously, we don't have basketball right now. Was there any team that you were looking at in the current NBA that, that you thought had a real chance to win the title? The Clippers, Rockets, Lakers, any of those teams? That well, all, all of those guys, you know, uh, Cal California now is going to be one heck of a you know, that, that, uh, that trip on the West Coast when, when the guys get back at Golden State and then you got the Lakers and the mm -hmm. Clippers, that's, that's really tough. Sacramento is on their way up, too. There's a, there's a lot of good teams. I really want to see what Milwaukee could do. The Greek freak, really fantastic right. player. Mm -hmm. uh, Coach Budenhauser has done a wonderful job. Yeah, I hope we're going to get this this thing back soon and, and see how this thing turns out. Yes, sir. We, we hope so as well. We appreciate you coming on, pushing through. And uh, like we said, we're, we're so happy for you and uh, congrats. You deserve it. Thank you guys. Coach, before, before we let you leave coach, I just always wanted to say this. It was a pleasure and an honor to play against you for so many years. And uh, you know, coach, I really always had, 
had the ultimate respect being a, a fellow Michigan uh, native. And uh, hey, I love you and appreciate you. And congratulations again to you and your family at the Hall of Fame. And uh, thank you for all you did for our league, yeah. all you did for me personally in my life, even though I never played for you. But yeah. I just have the ultimate respect for you. Yeah. And, uh, and congratulations again. Thank you, BJ. And the feeling is mutual. You handled your role and uh, uh, your career with professionalism and, and, you know, you did a good job. And, and I think you were an agent for a while. Yes, yes, not yes. Doing this. I mean, you're a versatile guy. That's <laughs> <laughs> all you do. All right, Coach. Take care. You be well. Stay safe. Thanks, good being man. with you. You guys stay safe. Yes, sir. Okay.